Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking today about data breach trends, and we're talking with Brian Sarton, Director of Investigative Response with Verizon Business. Brian, thanks so much for joining me. Good to be here. Thank you. Just to some context, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about yourself and about your role with Verizon Business. Glad to. Um, uh, I had a, a team within Verizon Business called Investigative Response, and uh, that's the team within the company that handles all externally facing computer incident response, computer forensics, IT investigative work, litigation support, and e-discovery. In addition to being the group lead, I'm also one of our senior computer forensic examiners, and I, I spend uh, a fair percentage of my time just traveling the globe, companies' uh, server rooms and data centers, helping them respond and investigate uh, perceived computer security emergencies. And unfortunately, you've been very busy the last year or so, haven't you? I certainly have been. First to go, last to know. Now, Brian, in my eyes, there are two big events that have occurred this year. One is the Heartland data breach that was announced in January, and then there was the release of the Verizon Business Breach Study, which has certainly got a lot of buzz. How do you see financial institutions in particular responding to these events, you know, the big breach and then your report about breaches? There's a little bit of a long-winded uh, answer, I'm afraid. There's a number of ways that we see organizations uh, having sort of a knee-jerk reaction to um, some of these big incidents. I think in general there's a, a realization, sort of a shift in, in uh, expectation that a lot of companies have when they see companies, other entities, even their competitors in, in you know, their own industry in their own backyard. Similar companies getting hit with data breaches, I think, um, there's that, that realization that, that <clears throat> a company has that, hey, this type of thing doesn't just happen on TV. It doesn't just happen in another part of the globe. It happens to us. And it, that knee-jerk reaction they have then becomes, uh, you know, what security measures do they start to put into place with the expectation that it can happen to them. And it, it's interesting. One of, the, one of the things we particularly see around financials <clears throat> is um, as more and more financials get hit, you see that the knee-jerk reaction that a lot of these companies have is, hey, let's... Uh, Let's start hardening security and let's start looking at um, security measures and technologies and more smart people. And they seem to be always about let's get more technology and more smart people. And in particular, let's harden security as it relates to external threats. And, and, and it's interesting that most of these uh, financial organizations we work with that become data breach victims for the first time, you see very clearly that their their sort of expectation and in, in, in their mentality around security is really one, hey, let's protect everything within the confines of this conventional perimeter network. And, uh, and it, to them, it's really about network security. And in the course of becoming a data breach victim, they realize, hey, it's not about network security, it's about data security. Their responsibilities surround data and the, you know, the confidentiality and the integrity and the availability and all those aspects of data, you know, not just within the confines of their network, but even when it leaves their network and, you know, goes on a, uh, on an employee's laptop and goes to their home or, or something like that, goes on the road, on an airplane, what have you. <clears throat> and uh, the, 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 the short response to that is that you see, by and large, that um, financial companies tend to be very hardened against threats originating from the outside world, external breaches, things originating from across the Internet. But the unfortunate side effect is, as they become more hardened against external threats, it seems as if they become more vulnerable over time to internal threats, and particularly threats originating from business partners. Well, that's interesting. Uh, Brian, what are the breach trends that banking institutions should focus on most? And it sounds like you're getting to that in your discussion of the insider threat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know why it is that we see this particularly with banking. 
and it, this is not just within one certain part of the world. This seems to be true with the banking around the globe. Why is it that banks, from a security perspective, tend to treat um, business partners, particularly support organizations, not B2B type connections, but the company who picks up their backup tapes, the group of consultants, the company who dials in to fix their mainframe, their you know the call center, those types of business partners. Why is it they oftentimes treat those entities with a better security privilege level than they do their own employees? And then one of the things that we would always recommend to, to those entities is, is, is you know, when it comes to business partners, I mean, we're seeing right now business partner-related breaches increasing at such a rate, and you see this in this year's data breach report. You see that in last year's data breach report where some 39% of all of our cases involve business partners. Well, if you took out our caseload bias and you looked across all investigative entities, private sector investigators like ourselves, looked at the number of cases we handle in a given year involving business partners, well, I'd, uh, that number would show you very clearly. We expect, you know, in the next 18 months to two years to see parity between all external breaches and business partner-related breaches. And that's a, it's a staggering thing to say, you know, what if in another three or five years, you know, someone kind of laughed about it and said, wow, remember back in 2009 when some security breaches came out across the Internet? You know, they're... What if, what if at that point all of these things are, are business partner related situations? So, with that, <clears throat> we always recommend to um, um, to banks, in particular, in, in, in all organizations really, when it comes down to, to business partner related connections, is to make sure that they have firm accountability on those. In particular, when we start an investigation and we say, "Hey, um, uh, what kind of..." data control do you have over this business partner's connection? In other words, what security hurdles does this business partner need to successfully circumnavigate to gain access to your critical servers and sensitive data? This inevitable answer we always receive is, well, they have to fill out this form, they have to have express consent, they have to have a one-time password, they have to have a trouble ticket, they've got to you know, stand in line and you know, fill it out in triplicate and all this other stuff. In reality, when we plug into their network to validate that ourselves, we find that in reality the business partner can connect whenever they want to. And it's that lack of accountability over that connection, that freedom that's granted to that business partner that ultimately is that organization's undoing. And that's particularly a trend that we've seen in the last year with, uh, around banking. Now, do you find that this is where financial institutions are most vulnerable? Uh, well, insider, insider issues are perhaps their greatest vulnerabilities. Uh, there's that old adage that says, hey, a lot of you know, all the vulnerabilities, for example, that, that people see, the large majority of those are internal. We certainly see that with insider-related breaches in and around banking and financials over time as these entities become more hardened, particularly against external threats. What you see is when those internal breaches are happening, and there's, you know, for example, employees past or present to blame, what we're seeing is when those situations do occur, the exposure in those breaches is just massive, and it underscores this concept that a lot of times internal employees and users, as well as IT technical employees, they understand a lot of times when Big Brother's not watching and can take advantage of the situation. Sure. So we've got a, a series of recommendations uh, in the data breach report to help uh, companies circumnavigate those. Now, where do you see that financial institutions have got good protections in place? Well, I mentioned uh, financial institutions. Um, I mentioned the external piece. The other side of that that you see in financials that's better than most other in industries. Great example, financials versus retail. <clears throat> if you look at the data, one of the things our, our report calls out is the unknown unknowns it's in, the, in the, the back of the report. Nine out of ten of our cases involve at least one of these, and, and one of those aspects is 67% of the 285 million unique records we saw compromised in last year's study 
were stolen from sources of data the companies didn't know they had. And that's a staggering figure when you think about it. That what that really means is, you know, we're retained oftentimes to prove or disprove a suspected crime. And if, if, if we're there to prove or disprove, one of our first questions is, look, if if all of this data and the fraud patterns or this information you believe is stolen was actually stolen in a security breach on your network, show me the handful of systems that had to get hacked into in the process. And we conduct our investigation from there. That's the, the preliminary scope. You know, we start that investigation, and the company comes back to us and says, hey, we put a lot of work into this. We looked at our policies. We looked at our information flow, and your investigation is really limited to just these four systems. It's never just that four. It's 14 or it's 24, and it's always these other you know, 10 or, or 15 systems they didn't know about that had that data. It's where that information is stolen from. So what financials do a much better job is, is quantifying and understanding, I think, at the top level and from the top down, what sources or types of information, what buckets of data does the company have that absolutely cannot leak out? Where on their network is that data located? And I think there's that, that concept that, uh, that sensitive data can be a company's greatest liability. And in that, that, that notion of thinking data loss prevention as opposed to just protecting the, the perimeter and the, and the network components within it, that's something that financials do better than most other organizations, particularly retailers. Well, I know that, that data loss prevention certainly is something that institutions have paid attention to, uh, identity and access management. Where do you find that some of the, the security technologies are that institutions really should be exploring? Uh, well, data loss prevention is a, is, a, is a great edge, I think, uh, right now. And, and it's, it's fascinating how we're seeing almost a cottage industry, one, develop around the detection of data in transit, particularly strings of data like magnetic stripes, uh, you know, that, that required to counterfeit credit cards or like, uh, social security, social insurance numbers, little bits of whatever, you know, whatever that variable is, that piece of data that can't leak out. You see a cottage industry developing around picking that up in transit. You see yet another cottage industry, it seems, developing around helping organizations detect data at rest that shouldn't be there. And I think that's where, within our, our study, one of the single greatest sources of vulnerability we see from an information security perspective around companies that suffer real data breaches, this concept of knowing where that information is. Uh, it certainly does seem that, um, from our experience, a lot of the technologies around capturing data in transit, well, those are starting to work. What companies really need, I think, is a real, portable, simple solution that helps them identify critical bits of data, whatever that data is they're concerned about, but a simple capability to look and search out for strings of information, whatever format it might be stored upon, but data at rest on a given on a given system. You know, something portable that can move from one system type to the other and doesn't have or represent a large footprint on the, on the server. And I, I, we're starting to hear a lot of information about solutions pop up with some of that capability, and I think when those solutions do really appear on the radar screen, that's going to help companies mitigate a lot of the risk that we see. I mean, I would go so far as to say that, that you know, if you could conclusively identify all sources of sensitive data at rest in the network and get rid of that or at least align that with a company's policy as it relates to data retention planning, if you can get rid of all that data, you might mitigate, you know, 75% of the risk of data breach that, that we see. Boy, and that's, that's a significant number. That's major. Well, last question for you, Brian. Um, we've talked a lot about what you saw in 2009. Trends going forward, what are some of the things that you're looking at as we head into 2010? 
Well, as we, as we head into uh, uh, 2010, one of our, our, our biggest focuses from an investigative perspective is, um, is, uh, is actually pushing through to arrest and prosecution. I, you know, I can, I can tell you, one of the most difficult things as a forensics investigator to see, and it's something that the general public really doesn't have much optics into, it's commonality in our investigations. And it's almost painful. You, you, a lot of people don't see that, that investigations come into us in closely related groupings. For example, we might have 15 competitors in the same industry call us in a two-week stretch, and every one of them calls us and says the exact same problem. And what you realize is, as you listen to the background and the facts, what you find is that they're, they're suffering the exact same breach or related breach, and commonality in tools and background and facts in um, different aspects of the case as we find out about it, what that suggests is that there are common perpetrators behind it. And what you so often see is today, you know, as we have the emergence of partner-related breaches um, on the radar screen, what you're finding is a new attack vector that cybercrime is using. They're no longer hiding behind uh, hijacked servers and proxies and staging points and things like that out on the Internet. Using systems as an abstraction layer to protect themselves from arrest and prosecution, they're not using people. And, and they're compromising individuals and, and business partners and people like that. And they go to people who close trouble tickets, who work in support centers, who work in the call centers. And they have access to, for example, all the banks in a given country. And they say, hey, if you hate your boss, you're in financial dire straits, we're your solution. Give us access to your customers. Better yet, give us access to your data. And one of our big focuses going forward for the, uh, for the next year, what is it that we can do? to help make sure that these people don't strike again and how can we identify evidence of, of these types of crimes and closely coordinate um, with law enforcement, particularly at the federal level in different countries? How do we coordinate with um, industry regulators as well as federal regulators to help identify these sources and bring these people to successful arrest and prosecution before they can strike 20 or 30 other companies? and, and and, and that's where, really where the cutting edge, I think, of investigations are today. And, and there are many different ways where we're not just using traditional investigative tools, but we're able to bring to bear data we can derive, for example, from our network, from underground monitoring, monitoring, say, the information black market, and supervising um, uh, online transactions involving you know, stolen uh, information and things like that um, to help identify the source and open up entirely new fronts on our investigations. The idea is to expedite arrest and prosecution, and that's, I think that's where the cutting edge is, and uh, one of the things we've been very successful with, and something we'll continue to focus on going forward. Brian, you're giving me great insight today. I appreciate your time. Anytime. We've been talking with Brian Sarton, Director of Investigative Response with Verizon Business. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.